Welcome to the School of Performance. My name is Sean Ashkenazi, former professional athlete turned high-level performance coach. And each week we will bring you inspirational guests to help you reach your highest levels of performance. Thank you for taking the time and joining us today. And let the lesson begin. Welcome to the School of Performance with today's guest, Allison McNeil. How are you, Allison? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, we've been trying. We haven't we haven't seen each other for so long. I think since my like Fraser Valley days, and then getting the opportunity to coach with you and uh, and uh, your husband as well. And it was such a pleasure. Like I'll, I'm just gonna knock this off right off the bat because it was such a cool experience for me um, to get to work with with uh, guys like yourself and 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 Mike and. It was just so unique. It was so different than I think everything I've experienced to that point, even as a player. Um, and what kind of touched me more than more than anything was um, you guys' care and, and connection to the players. I think it's something that I may have no, not noticed at the time, but throughout my career and with coaching and with working with kids now and now on the coaching side, like the mental coaching, just that connection, like it was yeah. so authentic and it was so real. I still get goosebumps now thinking about it. You could really kind of sense it in the air. So it was important for me to say right off the bat. Oh, thank you. Well, we could end the call right now because <laughs> I am happy because um, I think that's the most great important. episode. Yeah, that's uh, that's the most important thing to me is that uh, it's who you're coaching, not what you're coaching. So basketball just happened to be the thing, the passion that um, my husband and I had. Um, luckily both of us loved it and, but it's really, we enjoyed the kids and the people. And, and I think, uh, so that makes me happy that that came through because that should be coming through because it's true. Um, and mm -hmm. kids are the most important thing. It's, it's what I enjoy, uh, still enjoy the most probably is working with, um, young, young people, young kids and mentoring coaches. I've been doing a lot of mentoring and I've really found that to be a great thing at this point in my life. So nice. thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess the, I know you personally, but there may be people mm -hmm. that will listen in the future and, and maybe not know. Uh, tell us a little bit about who is uh, Allison. Ah, okay. Well, um, I guess uh, in terms of my career, the big thing was, I guess, I coached the Canadian national team. I was in the program for 16 years, coached the senior women for 12, uh, went to two world championships. I think it was, I'm going to get them wrong, 205 and 208 maybe. And then the two, mm -hmm or 28 and 28 and 210 and then the 2012 olympics after which point i retired uh completely spent <laughs> it, was, it was long and hard and, and wonderful um but i also i coach everything from grade two to i just finished a five six year stint with high school kids that um, i had since grade five and um, we won back-to-back -back, uh provincial championships um two undefeated season and then covid hit but I know we would have won a third, so no big deal. <laughs> I always say that. Um, so I, I kind of been, my life's been wrapped up in basketball. I played um, multiple sports. Um, I know, we, I think we've talked a little bit about this in the past, um, that I believe in multi-sporting. And right. I, I did it. Um, at some point, you have to decide if you want to really pursue it. But I started as a, a competitive swimmer competitive downhill skier. Those were my first two big sports. And everybody's like, what? And I'm like, well, small town in Canada. It was like what what was there in the winter and the summer. And then right. school, school sports. So I did basketball, volleyball, track, badminton, and loved them all. I mean, loved them all. Softball in the community. But, you know, crazy because I'm five foot 
three on a good day, uh, the basketball grabs my heart. And that's why I always tell kids, you don't, you know, I hear people say, well, they should go where they're good. I'm like, they should go where their heart takes them. Right. And I was probably a better downhill skier than I was anything, but um, I love basketball. So then, yeah, I, I played at uh, university, won two Canadian championships at Laurentian University and decided my good high school buddy, Bev Smith, was down at Oregon when she said, my coach was leaving Laurentian, so I transferred down there and finished at Oregon. Coached there, went overseas and played in Germany, coached in Germany, and then started a teaching career that led me then to the SFU to coach Oregon, women to coach, and then oh, Oregon, SFU, Oregon again, I guess, and then um, national team. So it's all been basketball. But, right. Yeah. But what I say to people, the greatest thing I, I find about what I've done, and that's not for everybody, but I've had all levels and I've enjoyed that. If you said you can just stay at the pro level national team, I think I would have missed so much. And yet, right. you know, I love doing high school and younger athletes because the development, I think I would have missed the high performance. So I feel very lucky to have had both, all of it. And mm. so that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't know your history as a player as well and everything yeah. you've been through. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. so true what you're saying about the balance. Like, it's always like whatever you don't have is what you miss, right? You'll, you'll <laughs> always miss that. You'll play here and then you'll be like, oh, I wish I was there. And then you'll be over here. Yeah. And you'll be like, I wish. So that balance of really kind of getting a little bit, of, a little taste of everything and yeah. affecting yeah. and causing a difference in so many different levels. That's really cool. Yeah. And I think it gave me a perspective on high performance to have worked with young kids to see where they're coming from. Right. And, to, and I really believe to, to not lose the joy in um, in playing. And so you see young when you work with young kids, you know, this, they're, they're just joyful. And then you right. get sometimes to high performance. It can be very stressful. And, and I think I try to maintain and, and uh, encourage the players to maintain their joy of playing. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's a really cool point where when you get to work with young children, you kind of see where it all stems from. You, I think maybe it's sometimes easy to forget either as coaches, as players, teachers, whatever it may be, like where it all started from, where that love really stemmed from. And then all it takes is one practice with little grade ones or grade twos, <laughs> and, and you're reminded all over again of where it all came from. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. That's the truth. Um, I always like to kind of take a little bit of time in the beginning to reminisce about uh, your favorite basketball moments now. It could be anything, I guess, just like whatever comes to mind. I know it's it's always like, and people say this too, always you think it could be like the championships and all that, but it's always something that's just, because to each their own, right? It's something that's close, that's close yeah. to each person's heart. So yeah. I wonder what it is for you. Oh, so many. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't want to start way back at the beginning, but I would say one of my fondest memories that kind of pops into my head when I certain visuals come in or if I work with young kids is just myself growing up in Princeton, my basketball and the outdoor court and just playing. And sometimes guys driving up and stopping their car and coming out and play with you for 20 minutes or at night guys would park their cars and shine the lights onto the court so that we could play. And I was only ever the only girl and, uh, <laughs> and playing with the guys, but um, I think it toughened me up and, and they had a great deal of respect for me. And I learned the game that way, like just out on the courts with the guys in a small town, there was not a lot else to do or what, what else there was to do would get you in trouble. So um, <laughs> I, I definitely was not that kid. Um, and I, and so I remember, you know, just being out on the court by myself and just shooting and my parents dropping me off there, they both worked full time. And so sometimes in the summer I'd spend lots of hours out there and then people would come back. <laughs> 
So I remember that. Um, my, my high school team winning back-to-back -back provincial championships. It was just so much fun. And at that time, you're so immersed and you think it's the only thing in the world, right? <laughs> like right. there's nothing else that matters. <laughs> nothing. It's just the most important thing. And at that time it was. And then my university team winning back-to-back -back Canadian championships was a, a huge thrill. We had a great team. And uh, my mom my mom and dad came out. Uh, one of the nationals was in Regina, I think. They came out mm -hmm. to that. Um, I can't remember where that one was. Oh, no. And then at Oregon, at Oregon, you know, we went to the uh, first NC2A women's tournament. Um, I was part of kind of the Title IX group um, because women were getting scholarships at that time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, so I, I've had so many. I loved playing in Germany. We won our second division to move up to first division. So that right. was pretty cool. And those are all my kind of personal experiences. But then those are so in the shadows now because <laughs> I've coached for so long. And you kind of mm -hmm. haven't, I haven't thought of those, but thanks, Sean, for you know, reminding me of my own experiences. And then national team, I think when we qualified for our first worlds, I mean, it was insane. And then qualifying for the Olympics on Canada day in uh, Turkey. Um, and it was just, uh, it was magical because right. Canada hadn't gone in 12 years. So it was sort of breaking a cycle. And now we've gone to four straight Olympics. And I feel like that group of athletes and coaches mm. and, um, staff were really the ones to put the program back on track. So it's all those kind of milestones. There's so many that you can't sort of. That's you know, awesome. It's nice to reminisce. <laughs> Thanks. For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's great that there's so many and, and on so many yeah. different levels and so many different locations and as a player, yeah. as a coach. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, I better not forget when you just said that my high school team winning back to back. I always, I always wanted to coach a high school team, and I didn't right. do it. I didn't do it early. I coached mm -hmm. for a couple of years in Revelstoke and Delta, but then got the job up at SFU. So yeah, going back to high school and having that process of taking kids from grade eight to twelve and right. seeing them mature and keeping everybody engaged, even the kid who's full time soccer player but wants to play high school basketball. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a whole nother type of coaching and leadership yeah. and it was awesome so i must that's, have really, school that's a really cool experience that's sweet yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah even when you say like the the qualification to the to the olympics i remember yeah. like i think it was during when i was in my undergrad with raj yeah. and he yeah. was working with you guys as well right. and i got goosebumps just now like when you mentioned it like yeah. i just remember it was this and I'm not even like, it's fine to say, I'm not even Canadian. Like I moved to Canada. I <laughs> right, moved to yeah. Canada. Obviously I got my citizenship and I feel just as Canadian now as I am Israeli, but yeah, it was just this national pride of like something that you didn't have to be immersed in basketball to know that it's something that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. yeah. And you can really sense it. And it's, it shows the way that it makes me, you know, the way I responded physiolog physiologically to it right now, you know what I mean? <laughs> even years after. Yeah. Oh, me the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, for the basketball community, our men hadn't gone, I don't think they've gone since 2000 Olympics. The women hadn't gone since 2000. I don't know, I don't even think the men went in 2000, actually. It was with Nash before that. 90s, yeah. 90s, yeah. So, you know, for the basketball community, was starving for a team to go, absolutely starving. And I think uh, we hadn't gotten a lot of um, notoriety up till that point. I mean, women's soccer was doing well, you know, they, it was, they were one of the teams doing well. And but to, to sort of see how then once it happened, how people got excited and, and social media was just taking off. I had just gotten on Twitter 
a right. friend of mine. I don't know if you remember Choi Brown. Did you know yeah, Choi? Yeah, Choi. Sure. So Choi got me on Twitter. He's like, we have to get on Twitter before the Olympics. I'm like, what is it? So now I love it. But um, great. so there wasn't a lot of social media, but we started to get some traction just because right. hey, these women qualified. And I'm just gonna say everybody feels this about their teams, but we had a very together team. And Roger um, Friesen was a big part of that. He was our sports psychologist and really he was one of the ones that emphasized joy and emphasized connection. And I learned so much from him in terms of leadership and with the team, uh, even at, at that point, but that, that group was really outgoing. So they mm -hmm. loved media. They loved talking to people. They would talk to people in stands and they were just kind of a, a really social outgoing together group. So I think they were perfect for leading us on this next path of now, you know, we're ranked fourth in the world for women. So right. hopefully a medal soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It feels it feels like in the air. I don't want I don't want to foreshadow anything. <laughs> I've been having some trash talk with, with the Israeli guys out here about the yeah. Canadian teams and stuff. I, I'm not ashamed to say, yeah. It's been good, it's been fun. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's nice that you're sort of have a connection in both worlds, so you can you can do that. You can right, right, you can, yeah. You can claim and, either either side, whoever's going well. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. No, that's cool. That's really cool. Um yeah, like like we could reminisce for the whole episode I'm sure. and there's so many things and uh and I guess one thing that comes to mind before we really delve into it is it's it's interesting and it's kind of like a given question in a way where it's like which one I'm sure they were both so different but which one felt more unique winning championships as a player or as a coach like what was the difference there yeah <laughs> Um, that's a great question. You know, all these times I've done all these things, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Usually I can go, oh, I've had that question before. Um, good one. So that, okay, the first thing that pops in my head, Sean, is that when we, when I was coaching, especially national team, but even the high school, when they won, it was a sense of um, pride almost, like, a, oh, mm. the girls did it, the women did it, like, I'm so proud of them. And so you're, you're a little bit outside the team. Right. You're not really, and you know, the Olympics, if you win a medal, you don't, the, the coaches don't get one. And, and I, I agree with that. Someone said, you don't get one. Well, we didn't win one, but um, <laughs> I think it's the athletes. You know, you are, you right. are there to um, navigate the, the terrain for them and help them, you know, I guess just to facilitate their experience. That's mm -hmm. my, my view. So um, that's how it felt. I, I was, I was um, euphoric when we were successful. I was down when we lost. It's the same as when I was an athlete, but um, I didn't give, I don't think as a coach, I gave the losses up as easily as an athlete because you weren't able to go back and make a difference. So it was like, I'd stew over them, watch film, you know, try to get a better plan, think what mm -hmm. we could do. So I, I might almost say the losses were even harder as a coach, hard to believe, mm -hmm. but, um, and then uh, I think when, as a player, it's just, you're so immersed with the teammates. It's such a, a joyful shared experience. And as a coach, it's a little, I found it a little bit to, to you step away and let them have right. that, have that Which is really cool, yeah. Like to be able to do that and really let them kind of enjoy the moment yeah. and be, be in the yeah. spotlight. And that's oh, cool. yeah. And, and I do remember a surreal experience in Turkey. Um, and I saw all the pictures after because our doctor was also a photographer. And um, <laughs> I saw all the pictures after. And while you're, I remember just standing back and watching them hug their parents watching mm. Teresa Gabriel hug her husband, watch Natalia Chandler, her parents weren't there and she was the youngest run up and coach, uh, hug Chelsea Obrey's dad, who's from the same town and who she knew. And 
you know, I remember when Rogers got two players in a in a hug, and you're thinking, I remember feeling kind of outside my body watching the celebration. Right. Yeah, wow. and just just being so like happy for everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And that's a testament, I guess, to the way that you can kind of realize. I don't know how would you define it, but um, that this is like bigger than me. This is like this is the players, the thing. I think there's a certain element. Um, maybe those coaches don't get to these levels, but I've I've definitely seen it throughout my career of like when when there's success, when there's some sort of thing. Maybe some people want to jump to the forefront and kind of take up all the credit rather than being able to take a step back. And and it's really a testament to that to, to yeah. say, like this is bigger than me. This there's something bigger here going on. And and I think that's part of the reason that you get prolonged success the way that yeah. you're able to repeat it and you're able, it's because you're able to kind of have that bigger picture. No view doubt. Really cool. There's no doubt. And that, you know, I think about getting to whatever level, like any level is the highest level that you're, you know, for me, I played a year of professional uh, in Germany. That was the highest level I got to as a player. But, you know, I look at the national team players. I feel like I sacrificed life. I gave the national team 16 years of my life. It was, mm-hmm. it was nonstop. I mean, the way I do it is pretty immersed. I'm pretty immersed. And so I don't think I could have done it much longer. I retired. Mm-hmm. Right but the players, I mean, they went to Finland and, you know, uh, Spain and everywhere to play. I mean, they were all over the world playing and they, they left families. And so I feel like, yeah, I, I did a lot, but they did way more. They did mm-hmm. way more to achieve that goal. And so, yeah, you have to see the big picture of what they've right. sacrificed. And and so step back and let them enjoy. And I didn't actually really enjoy um, being interviewed when I was with the national team. I much more put the players out there. And yeah. Doug Smith with the Toronto Raptors, or with the, he writes about Raptors, but Doug Smith, the Toronto star, great yeah. writer. He followed our team a lot. He followed us when we were terrible. And, and um, I was out in Toronto at the Global Gym, and he was there talking to all our players. Uh, like retired players and current national players. Right. I'm like, that's what you want. You want the players mm-hmm. to be out in the forefront. So uh, I agree mm-hmm. with you. Not, not everybody can do it, but they should. <laughs> right, for sure. That's awesome. And that kind of leads us to, to our next point and something that we got a chance to talk about a little bit before and this whole concept of putting the focus on the players and, and putting the context on the experience, the players' experience and the yeah. joy and sometimes we get lost in being so results oriented. Um, so it'd be great to hear from your experience. Like how can coaches do that a little bit better where they kind of put the right context in a way and, and not lose themselves in this pursuit of results and championships and wins? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they have to get really smart because if they do that, they'll win more. <laughs> right. right. So, so we'd like to, you know, all of us that, that kind of have this philosophy where we prioritize uh, prioritize people first and we're sort of mm-hmm. athlete driven the whole idea is is not that we don't want to win like i think that's always right. sort of a fallacy i'm sure you've heard that even sports psych and you know it's fluffy and this and that and there's, yeah. and there's always opinions but but just because you prioritize people and just because you um put your athletes first does not mean that you're not driven that they're not driven and that you're not trying to win and so mm-hmm. i think as soon as you prioritize people you connect you get to know them um, I think you can lead with empathy and still be tough right. as a as a leader and a coach. Um, and then you empower them. And they have some autonomy to be great, uh, mm-hmm. and they have some autonomy to direct their careers. That's where success comes. There, I don't believe there's any other way. And when I think of the coaches that I admire, like a um, 
you know, Steve Kerr. Like you see him interact with his players and his staff and, you know, or Greg Popovich in the NBA. When I think of those coaches specifically, Cheryl Reeve in the WNBA has that connection with their players. I, I don't really see it happening any other way. Right. Yeah. So it's I think like that, it's, that's a big yeah, thing. It's like a, a prerequisite that's most yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so you know, everybody talks about being authentic and it's such a word yeah. that's possibly overused, but, but, um, but it's true. They got to be who you are. And, you know, I'm a little bit emotional. And as you lived in Canada, that's not really our way. Like, so, right. so you know, I would, I, you know, I think more people would say, oh, you kind of coach like you're European, like you're a little bit out there and you're a little bit, yeah, you know, and getting excited. That Germany is still in you. Yeah, maybe it's that. I, I think it could be my actual, my, my background somewhere too, maybe. But, um, but I remember Roger saying to me when I worked with him, not him with our team, but him with me. And he, yeah. he was saying, you know, I, emotions are meant to be shared. Like if that's mm -hmm. your emotion, you should share that. And I was like, well, I do. But then some people think, you know, and there's a narrative around male right. coaches and female coaches. So, you know, if a male coach gets passionate or passionate, if a female coach gets passionate, they're crazy, you know? Right. So, so I got labeled that a bit, but yeah, I think um, be authentic, be who you are, coach mm -hmm. the way you want to coach and don't try to be something that you're not. And I'm also, I like, I like to have some fun and joke a bit. Uh, but still get down to business and so that took some players from getting used to they were maybe used to a harsher style of coaching mm -hmm. and I certainly was harsher early in my career I learned yeah. <laughs> I agree yeah. you kind of developed into it yeah yeah that's really interesting yeah that that whole that whole point how it's counterintuitive in a way where so many people think they're like negative psychology I see that so much out here with parents and with coaches especially in the top divisions it's like negative psychology like pushing and pushing and pushing and i've had like i've had eves for example if you know paul heber i've had yeah, him in college yeah, yeah. and yeah. we've had we had an episode and, and i mentioned to him like looking back how that's one of the greatest things that i could get as a player being in that kind of tough environment in practices where yeah. it makes the game easier it makes when i play out here pro and and there's a tough environment and there's a tough crowd and you know <laughs> worst case scenario like stuff's getting thrown on the floor and fireworks in the stands like it gets crazy yeah. i've been through it like I've, I've it's been hard in practice i've been through so much um yeah. in practices that that stuff doesn't bother me as much you know what i mean exactly. so it's kind of like you look sure. at it and you find that balance but mm -hmm. I think too, I've talked to Ebes about this. I think that you can um, raise your voice at kids. I think you can get direct. You can, And I was, and I am. But right. I also think they have to know you care. And if that exactly. hasn't happened, if you haven't made connections, then so sometimes right. someone looking from the outside, looking in at a coach, right, thinks that coach is crazy. I can't believe the way he or she treats her her kids, you know, or her, or her players or his right. players. And um, I'm going to, it's not, I mean, yes, there are those situations, of course, and they're horrendous, but mm -hmm. you can be positive and be tough right. <laughs> and you For can sure. be negative and be soft. I mean, right. it's just, I mean, you see those negative coaches who don't really push their kids, don't yeah. put them into a little adversity. So yeah, I agree with you. I think you have to really be pushed to be great. Right. Yeah, like like down. like pressure makes diamonds right there's all there's also this great sentence where i share with eve and we said a lot out here where it's um hard and hard and training easy in battle it comes from the army and stuff like that and, yeah and um it just really portrays it perfectly and, and yeah that's such a great point like with the caring i just had a lecture yesterday uh to a group of players and and kind of telling them about my college days and stuff and really touched on that that whenever your coach goes at you whenever your coach 
like start looking at like he cares or she cares because if they didn't say anything that's when you should be worried that's when you should be like like there's no response like there's nothing here that's a problem that's an issue and like you said before that counter it's so counterintuitive in a way where it's like you think that these these people again it's not from right or wrong i always like to think it's not good or bad in life it's what works and what doesn't work if we have a certain target what brings us closer to that target compares to maybe what's taking us maybe back from from reaching that target and sometimes these negative coaches that's super aggressive super like winning oriented it's really taking you back you know i mean compared to someone that's super people oriented and and they still may be tough but yeah you 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 can't think for a second they're not all about winning because like you said if people have really been in it and have really gone (laughs) through it on the court it's it's that chemistry it's that connection it's that connectedness that that really you can kind of rely on when things get tough you can like when the coach gets on you you can look back and it took me like two or three years at cap. I talked to Eve about this. <laughs> I, like, I wanted to quit. I didn't want to be there. And then yeah. I realized I, I switched my, my point of view yeah. to he cares about me. And then, wow. Yeah. And now you got this motivation. Now it's like you yeah. against the world. Like he's got my back. Nobody can yeah. stop. Yeah. And but he believes in you. He thinks you can do it. Right? That, right. There's a whole thing about having someone coaches, parents, teammates that believe in you. And that right. is part of that communication, that connectedness and, yeah, and I always thought, you know, um, I think I, I, it was a thing on uh, Kara Lawson. She's the coach at Duke, and she played for the U.S. Mm-hmm. national team and um, coached in the NBA with uh, Brad Stevens at, at uh, Boston. And uh, she had a little clip on the video, and she said, don't wish for things to be easier, easier sometimes, but wish to be able to handle hard better. And I think right. that's that's where. So when kids are young, um, I called my dad one time. He he's 89 and uh, still living on his own, doing great. But I I called him one time when I was coaching. I was out watching it. It was like a U14 or U13 girls um, tournament, and there was a coach just like over the top yelling at his kids, and mm-hmm. they were their body language was you know um, slumping, sloping, and they just looked hurt and unhappy. And kids would come off the court and they'd kind of physically try to avoid him and he would physically intimidate them and I was just, I couldn't watch I walked out of the gym at the LEC and I phoned my dad and um, uh, and he said oh it's too bad he said because kids at that age don't have their armor yet and I right. and that's always stuck with me because we can be tougher on people as they get older people mm-hmm. handle it I mean if you're walking into a, a university program where you've been recruited or a pro team there's a certain expectation of what you're you know how you're going to be coached and it's going to be a little harder it's going to be a little harder. It doesn't have to be cruel, but right. it might, you know, might be a bit more. Expected. With, yes, yes. But with young kids, I think they don't have their armor yet. And I think we have to build it up. So more positives doesn't mean you don't correct or whatever, but you keep them loving the game. We want them to be playing when they're right. 25, 30. Coming years. back to that connection yeah. and, in that, yeah. and that joy for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a huge point. I think people don't realize. I just learned it not too long ago on the mental side as well, where the brain is not fully developed. So sometimes we ask these kids, even teens, yeah. to do certain things that they're just they just don't have that outlook yet. They don't they don't have that that um function yet. And it's nothing against them, it's just a matter of maturity and, and understanding that goes such a long way to coming back to our point of of being able to connect with them and because and, it's hard. I think it's one of the hardest things when someone asks you something that you're not capable of doing and, and yeah. it may be, it may sound like an excuse, but in this situation, it's really not either physically or, or emotionally or mentally 
they're just yeah. not there. So to go at them and, and, and kind of bring forth this aggressiveness and stuff and expect them to respond exactly. is only silly. And, it uh, is, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's detrimental, I think, to their growth as um, young women and young girls and young boys and young men because it's, right. you know, and I think, you know, we, I don't know what Milhouse uh, been in Israel, but in Canada during, the, during COVID, there are a lot of kids that didn't go back to sports. So it's a bit of a crisis, right? It's like two years away, especially kids of um, marginalized communities, kids of lower incomes, you know, they were in programs, then COVID hit and, and, you know, maybe they had to stay right. home or their parent, however it hit. So, you know, well, we're just driving kids away when we're negative like that at a young age. I'm like, let's get them in the fold. Let's get them loving it. Let's get them wanting to get better. And then, you know what, then we can coach them harder. Right, like build that base first. Don't yeah. don't jump stages for sure. Yeah. That's and I think what you said is very true too, both mentally and physically. At times, we we want to apply, um, you know, MBA training to a U twelve team, you right? Know, or or you know, <laughs> we're we're riding them or we're coaching them mentally. You know, like like a college team when they're right. U fifteen. You know, right. Silly. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of like we said before, it's not good or bad, it, it, but it takes away from from your purpose, right? It, right. Kind of sitting, yeah. sticking, yeah. Um, what's it called, sticks in, in your wheel. Yeah. Um, you can tell with English, it's been a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the next thing I've written down, and it's really cool, and we talked about a little bit, is is what do you think are the biggest lessons that kind of carry over to life from sports? We've talked about how your your past players, like they're doing all these great things now yeah. after playing, and there's such a great you know analogy there from sports to life and those people that take it on can really get so much from it. Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is that uh, they've learned teamwork right? they've right. learned how to work with the team. And then when you go into any business, um, one of our former players of the national team, Lizanne Murphy, she's from Montreal and she played at Hofstra. She's working with the Canadian Olympic committee now, the COC, and she's been to two Olympics and she works in, um, all the stuff that makes it easier for the athletes at the villa in the Canadian. And I'm like, mm. well, who could be perfect? Someone that has been to an Olympics, been to a world, has been through this, knows what they need, knows how to talk. But I think one of the, the biggest thing that she does is she knows how to work with a team. Right. Um, you know, so she can go in there and the other people that are working in the village or wherever with the Olympic committee. And one of my, another one of my players um, works for Teladoc. One of the, she's a, got her PhD and she works for Teladoc which is, cool. a doc, yeah, and she's always talking about, well, my team, and I've got a meeting with my team, and, you know, I right. think, so that's one. <laughs> Second, I think leadership. I think, um, you know, I can only mostly speak, I, I coach boys at camp, but I haven't coached a boys team, but for women, I think being part of a team is stepping up and being a leader is a really mm -hmm. important thing. There's not, when you're younger, always a lot of spots for women to step into the leadership roles. It can be difficult. I mean, mm -hmm. more less now than when I was coming through, but uh, I remember my sister was student council president at our school and I was like, all right. And I don't remember that there had been a, a, a woman girl before that. So that was right. But um, so leadership, I think for sure. I think adversity, handling, winning and losing, handling up and downs, handling the you know the flow of life uh, is is sort of as you know punctuated in athletics, <laughs> like it's right. bigger highs, well For sure. bigger highs, bigger lows. So we think they're yeah, all those things are important. I think you know the, the ability to trust. I know this sounds like mm -hmm. a funny thing, but the ability to trust and um, because you have to build trust, you know, athlete to athlete and then coach to athlete. 
coach to coach, coach to physiotherapist, coach to sports. I mean, all that, there has to be a trust there for that cohesion and that cooperation and that communication connection to happen. Um, I think that's a really good quality to take out into the world. Not not blind trust. You have to be, you know, tough and handle things and, and X out people that don't, you know, help you be a better person and achieve mm -hmm. goals. But still being able to trust your teammates, trust the people you work with, trust your husband, trust your partner, you know, those kinds of things. Trust is important. Yeah, those are some that come to mind quickly. Um, I think the ability to set a goal and to strive towards it and not be afraid of the work, you know, not be afraid of the work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I know my dad, my mom and dad own small businesses and I remember my dad saying, you know, we hire people, but they're afraid of work. He always used that term. They're just right. afraid of work. And he said, I try to help them to, to not be afraid of work, but they are. And then I have to get someone else in. Just not mm -hmm. afraid of work. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say to my sister, you can't be afraid of work. You gotta get in there and do, do the hard things. So, right. That's a great lesson, yeah, early yeah. on. I bet yeah. some of those employees later on, when they finally realized that <laughs> they moved yeah. on. Yeah, like when they don't have a job anymore, they were a little too afraid of work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's no greater lesson than that. Yeah, so true. Um, That's cool. So, yeah, yeah, like on that leadership, um, I have on here like to define leadership, but you kind of did that like with, within oh, those yeah. lessons, and it's really cool. But I know we talked a little bit about the importance of um, leading from the heart. I guess, rather than, than leading from what's expected of me, sometimes I think we get caught up in the way I should be doing things. Like you're talking about that whole authenticity aspect yeah. of, and it was really great to hear you say like about knowing who I am. Like, even if I get emotional, even for this, yeah. it's this great concept of, it's not as important what it looks like as it is that it's me. Because yeah. only then can I really put myself out there in, in the most positive way if i'm constantly holding myself back because of how it should look or, or what people think of me or what they're going to say then i'm never really in, in full self-expression so that's really cool uh, I, think, to hear I, I think that though sean both as as athletes as players but also as coaches i agree with both but definitely as players too i often see you know we'd see a really great player at the ju junior level and then they'd come into the senior team and they would just defer, sit right. back. I'm like, who is this? Like she's coming <laughs> to the senior team for the first time. And you know, you'd have to say to them, we just want you to do what you did. Like, I know it's another level, but don't, you don't have to defer. Just, mm -hmm. um, but even just to get your best performance, you have to be authentic. You have to put yourself out there and, and just be the best you can be. And that doesn't mean you don't have to find times um, where you have to be the follow, the follower. I mean, it's a team, right? And I think I, I shared this with you when we talked. This was, I don't know where I got this. I'm sure I could find it, but um, talk, I always talk to my athletes about this. Number one, you have to lead yourself. And this is for anyone. So lead yourself. And that means be on time, bring energy, you know, all the things that you do when you lead yourself. Um, take care of your nutrition, make sure you're hydrating, uh, do your training, come fit, all those things. Then you have to give energy to the group. And so, I mean, you know this, and I'm sure you got it in class with Roger, just those vampires that suck the energy right out of the team. Like, I, I can't even deal with them. I don't even know, like, how are you like this? Why do you come into practice like this? So you have to learn to give energy to the group. Then you have to know when to follow. So lead yourself, give energy to the group, know when to follow. And I always say to kids, you follow when someone 
is better at something than you. They know more and it fits your value system. You don't follow blindly. It, it has to fit your core values. Mm. And that's you so, say that so, again. That's that's a really yeah, good question. So know when to follow, but don't just follow blindly. You you right. follow when someone knows more than you, you know, is leading, but you it also whatever you follow has to fit into your value system right, and you right. don't just follow Absolutely. because yeah and i think um i think kids even have to learn that about coaches you know uh, there's a, a big push in canada on safe sport and there's been a lot of issues around safe sport and i think it's really important that we empower kids to know that they don't have to follow a coach if it doesn't right. fit in their value system yeah mm -hmm. and then so if you lead yourself if you give energy to the group if you know when to follow and when you can do all those then you can lead others Right, and, and that's kind of what I always talked to him with the national team. We wanted this was, a, I think, a term I stole from Roger. We wanted to be leaderful, a team full of leaders, right. not just a captain, not just a coach, <laughs> you know, like all of us. So, finding where, where you as a coach can lead and where you can step back and let them lead, and you be a follower. And I think a lot of coaches want that you know, that hammer and they, they really want, that's where their comfort zone is. And that's, like I said, fine. I'm not criticizing, but I think it's a real special experience when you step back and actually see your players step up to lead in a way that is like beyond what you thought they could do. And right. you just knock it out. Because <clears throat> yeah. right. in a sense, you're giving them that opportunity to bring something out of themselves that they may not have even known was there. Absolutely. You know? Same way that like if someone, if a coach is aggressive in practice or there's these like conflicts where, you know, it brings something out of you that, and that was a great point that Eve had said, and you mentioned it as well just a little bit ago. It's like they see something in you that you don't, you may not have seen in yourself because as a coach, you've been through way more than I've been through. You've seen more games, you've seen more players, you've seen more adversity. And, and why would I deny myself that opportunity to learn through someone else's eyes. Like yeah. I got to, and then with leadership, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way to put it though. Like someone sees you in a different way, seeing you right. through others' eyes. And I think that's when athletes yeah. can really blossom when they realize that, that really that person has such belief and faith in you that you can actually take some of that and embolden mm -hmm. yourself. Like it's good to build on, to have that support. For um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I often say the other side of that, I often say, I can't want it more for someone than they want it for themselves. And so at some point as a coach, I've had to step back and go, okay, they don't want it as bad as I do. And that's okay. Like I'll, I'll help them be the best they can be. Um, but you know, when I'm, you know, dri driven for them, I want them, you know, uh, be on the national team, play professionally. You know, and then I go, okay, right. step back. This is not my experience. This is letting go. Yeah. So I think that's a great conversation to have, right? What, what is the balance between, like you said, um, you know, you really believe in them and, and then also knowing that they have to want it as well. Mm, yeah. Sure. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of got like a little because I had that like the um, being able to lead ourselves and, and being able to follow. So kind of yeah. one by one, like why why do you think it's so important to lead ourselves? I think it's something that we talk about a lot, but sometimes kind of falls through the cracks where maybe we look at others like the coach or the captain, like you said, or like the star player, and kind of expect them to do the heavy lifting in a way, and then I forget about what I need to do to bring to fruition, you know, all the good things that I could give to this team or whatever it may be. So that, that power of, of leading ourselves, like, why is that so important? That's uh, that's, you just put it perfectly. I mean, it's just amazing though. How I, 
like I think Roger called it social loafing. Mm -hmm. Social loafing. So sometimes right. people will just social loaf because, well, you know, we've got a, um, you know, say a university team, we've got three or four great seniors, they're leading. We've got a couple of good juniors. You know, I'm only a so sophomore. I don't, I don't need to, but we do. We need everybody to lead to be a great team. And, and so, and I, I think the other thing about leading yourself is where does accountability lie? Like in, in your own personal life. I mean, I think that's a really important thing. I think, you know, I believe in discipline is an important thing. Um, not being, you know, too hard on yourself, but you still have to have accountability. And, and that's part of leading yourself. So having a healthy lifestyle, healthy relationships, you know, I mean, in, in finding joy in things. Like what things do you like to do? Um, you know, for me, I like to read. So reading, I like to read. And um, I love movies. So Netflix is pretty huge on my list of things to do at, at times. Um, and, and so I think that leading yourself leads to control of your life, I think, in so many mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. And right. uh, with it, as you know, because you play play basketball on team sport if you've got someone who can't lead themselves they're they're you're always walking on eggshells am i saying mm -hmm. the right thing you know they're cranky they're crabby they're you know they're right. they're not getting their stuff in and i remember national team athlete sean i had to say we haven't got your training log yet you haven't submitted your training right. log. i'm like oh, I <laughs> i'm like why am i having to do this and and yet you know kim smith Lazan murphy's tamara tatum leach tatum i mean i can listen Teresa gabriel's never miss a time getting their login on time perfectly right. filled you know so i think it also has something to do with your level of achievement if you can lead yourself <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure no that's a really great point yeah like not only is it not motivating the team maybe in in a way it also is it's not holding it's not just holding back the team it's almost taking it backwards like right. when, when these things are happening 100 uh, it's great we've been we've been real good we're leading up like it's leading up perfectly every time <laughs> it's, leading right. up every it's so, connection connection yeah no doubt. we've been practicing they don't yeah. know the time, no, don't the know. time we put in alex and nobody that's knows right. <laughs> all the behind the scenes yeah that's exactly right um, and it's exactly that. So it's, it's just the importance of energy. Like we're talking about that enthusiasm and the importance of energy. And I think that's yeah. another thing that unless you're in it, you like it from the sideline, if you're a spectator or a fan or something like that, you think it's just skills and, and motivation and then staying away from injury and then everything kind of comes together. Yeah. But just you can talk about that power of, of enthusiasm because when you mentioned that, it hit a certain um, – What's the word in English? Like it hit a certain string for me yeah. where it's so important. And it's something that like, believe it or not, it's in our control, like that level of enthusiasm, that level of energy. Yeah. And, and when we can find that thing within ourselves, it just, it just has a profound effect on everything we do. Everything. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's not, to, not say to say that you don't have down days. Right. No, no one's saying that like life is hard and we don't know what everybody's going through when they come into our practice. Um, you know, even at the pro level, you don't know what's going on with the family, what's going on mm -hmm. at home, what's going on financially. You don't know anything. You know, it's different problems or different um, problems at youth levels and professional levels right. and national team. But, that, you know, they still. So I, th I think it's really important that we are cognizant of those things, but that we also we can't drag others down and we can't wake up in the morning. And, you know, um, I, I know that there are times there are people that have mental health issues that can't wake up in the morning and be positive. But I think we, we try to do the best we can with what we have. And I've always, I've loved that. It's a kind of a new catchphrase, but uh, be where your feet are. I, I've never heard that before. Be where your feet are and being present. And I think that is part of, 
you know, if we live in the past, then I think we have regrets. <laughs> if, right. we live, if we live in the future, I feel like we're just anxious, like what's going right. to happen. But if we're present, and I think, you know, everybody has to fight to work to stay present. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. I feel like that has always been one of my strengths. I'm like right in the moment and I love it. And then, you know, then I can go and crash later. Like, and I do, right. you know, many of us do that. Like you're just... Mm -hmm like right in it, given everything you've got. And then it's like, I, I got to have a half a day. I got to just go by my bed, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that you, in a group, you, you have to be, and all of us have to be giving energy, finding a way to give energy. And if we can't, we have to step away and gather ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge point as well. And so great that you mentioned it, that, that self-awareness, like not being afraid to say like, you know, listen, I need to take a step back because yeah. only then can I really bring myself forth in, in the best way possible. If I'm constantly working against the grain and working against what I know I'm capable of and what I know I can give right now, then I'll never really be be there. I can fake it and I can I can act energized and stuff, but it's only a matter of time. I call it, it's right. like a band-aid. It's only a matter of time till till it evens out and, and the truth, either I collapse or I get yeah. injured or whatever it may be, either as a coach or as a player. That self-awareness is huge. Yeah. And I'm glad you said as a coach or a player because coaches need to take time for themselves. I think you have to take care of yourself so that you can care for others. And I think that's always been something for me. I, I've always said, okay, well, you know, if one of my players needs to talk, I need to have the energy to listen. If one of my players, um, you know, needs me to, I don't know, do whatever, like get in the gym and work her out. I need to have the energy to do that. And um, mm -hmm. so you got to take care of yourself. That's very, very important. Right. You know, I think of like Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, and Simone Biles, when they both stepped away, um, Simone mm -hmm. at the Olympics, and the criticism that they received was right. unbelievable. And I was actually in shock. I mean, I know there's some crazy people in the world, and there's bound to be criticism when you put yourself at that level, but I'm thinking good for them that they knew when to step away before something serious happened to them. Right. You know, like life is, yeah. yeah. And I think, so that's where for me, yeah, you definitely have to um, take care of your, your health, mental health. And sure. physical health. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting when that happened. Yeah. From like a mental standpoint, I think it's my personal opinion. Always. I speak from, from my experiences. Um, It kind of shows the, the outlook of, of fans sometimes that players or coaches are, are just kind of like these superheroes. Like they're, they kind of forget that they're human beings too. And we all go through, we all, like you said, have personal stuff and family stuff and money stuff. It may be different for a person making a hundred million dollars than a person making whatever, yeah. um, but still there. It's still that human experience. And, and like fans maybe forget that sometimes because you see this aura around this athlete or, or yeah. this, this person or this coach. And um, just remembering that we all go through it and finding yeah. that balance. Like there's no shame in, in saying there was even a thing, I don't know how much truth there was in it, but there was a whole thing with Kyrie Irving as well before the whole COVID yeah. thing where he kind of took a step back and yeah. Steve Nash being the coach went with it. And, and there was this great deal of criticism about you're getting paid millions of dollars to do your job, da, da, da. Yeah. But like, hold up, like take a step back for a second, yeah. right? And remember yeah. the fact, full-blown fact that we're all, people at the end of the day like yeah. we may be playing basketball and we may be you know kind of like doing the spectator sport like i call mm -hmm. like modern gladiators i know it's, yeah. just, it's an extension but it is in some way like like yeah. people allow themselves to say a lot of wild things in the crowd and yeah. now with social media like you said especially yeah i think a step back and remembering that that base of everything is that we're yeah. all human like we're all people we're all good sure. yeah yeah i um, agree
and just and, and just enjoying you know enjoying the fact that we get to watch such great athletes on display like you said i mean we do get to watch that but i think we also have to be conscious of the fact that we don't have a right to um i don't believe we have a right to attack them do we right. have a right to say some things on social media of course we do i mean that's social media but we don't right. have a, a right to attack them not knowing too much about them right that's you know i think about, like, you know Ke oh. yeah kevin love was i remember you know right. he came out and and um and there's been a couple of players in the wnba that have taken a wnba season off because they're just completely fried from europe national team europe or wnba yeah. europe. you know it's just this this cycle sure. and um and we have to be conscious of that and then now i'm going to put my coach hat on again we have to be conscious of that as coaches because right. when, I, when i was coaching national team they would come from all their training you know they've been playing in europe they'd come all in from different scenarios some had had horrendous seasons had some had, had joyous seasons some had, had tough seasons some had been injured and they're recovering and you you have to bring that all together and meet people where they're at right mm -hmm. meet people where they're at and and not have a sort of a an iron fist that says you're all the same right. and you're all going to do this i just don't think it can work that way at the highest level it should be and, and it's universal to everyone it just yeah. doesn't yeah. work that way it doesn't yeah. work anymore no might have been back in the day but <laughs> right no yeah. for sure what yeah. i was going to say before yeah is, is like um because that way we're able to to bring ourselves in the best way but not only that now our environment will will gain the most from it as well where sometimes it's like I've had teams say like play through injury, like do this, and then I'm not gonna say how I responded, but but it's this concept of um like let me be my best version so that we can be our best version in a way. Like like Absolutely. why me through a conflict or through like that I gotta fight through um water or whatever, whatever the saying is, where now the team is worst off. You know what I mean? Like our, our purpose at the end of the day, and we sometimes forget that is for the team to be the best. If I'm now pushing through a personal conflict or an injury, how is that bettering anyone? Like like kind of putting it in proportion. Yeah, for sure. Yep, for sure. I agree. Um I have um this concept of of the ability to follow i think it's something that's that's so understated um that we don't talk about much i think we do talk about maybe um especially nowadays i think kids have a really hard time handling failure like the, it's kind of mm -hmm. like this concept of overnight success and I don't know if they really realize like the work that it takes and the years and the perseverance to to really succeed because i always like to say to the the clients i get i get the privilege of working with that if you get it overnight, you're going to lose it overnight. Because yeah. <laughs> if you hadn't gone yeah. through that that struggle or through that, you know, process mm -hmm. of earning it, it's going to get taken of you from you yeah. just as just as fast, right? Yeah. Um, so this ability to follow, like, how can we own that as players, as coaches, as, as people? How can we kind of put more focus on that? Yeah, that's a that's a great a great question, and I think one of the first things that pops into my head is, well when we're on a team, we're not the best at everything. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Michael Jordan was the best at everything, but I'm guessing he wasn't a better rebounder than Rodman. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're not the best at everything. So there's times where someone else can speak up and speak to something and, and we can follow that. Or, um, I mean, even in terms of training. Uh, so if you're at a, at, at, at training, um, a training session, I mean, a physical training session, right. there are people that are going to be stronger in the weight room that are not the best players mm -hmm. they can lead in the weight room um there are people that have you know the mental focus but maybe not the best player again they don't have the best skill 
but they have mental focus that they can lead others on how to carry themselves, how to behave, how to handle failure. And we can teach that to young kids. I think that's, yes. that's kind of what you were just talking about. That kids think it's going to happen overnight, but we have to teach them to have a growth mindset. We have to discuss, right. we have to discuss getting better. Never mind winning at that age. It's not about winning when you're young. I mean, right. of course you, I mean, I don't think I ever went into a ski race when I was young, not wanting to win. I mean, right. that's that's a given. But if if that was the only reason that I was doing it, I would have quit because I didn't win every time. Mm. But I I love the process. I love getting better. I love, you know, the snow and the wind in your face and right. and uh, whatever you know. So I think that we can teach kids to follow. We can teach them that they're not the best in every area, and that's okay. But also, mm. if we if we fall if we follow, then we also have to teach core values. Right. Because I just think you know, there's too much. I at least I see on the and the in social media too much following. Where I go, is that really what? Is that part of who you are? Is that is that your core value that you just said that or you know? Following so, um, blindly, like want to be part of the group, yeah, the yeah. group or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think uh, I think we can do that within a team setting. We can teach kids how to follow correctly. And like I said, with the national team, I I decided to go with a leadership group. And um, I kind of did that at the high school level too. So a little bit of a group. And so it wasn't all the veterans, the 10, 12 year veterans. I threw mm -hmm. a couple of the ones that could sort of bridge the gap. And then I met with the, the leadership group and I probably followed more in those meetings. And mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to say that, right? I'm right. not afraid to say that because they know what the inner workings of the team are probably better than me. And mm -hmm. um, and I could learn so much. And, and to this day, Sean, I, I had a little... I had a question about an athlete. And so I called one of my former athletes, uh, an Olympian, and I um, I talked to her and I said, like, here's the situation and this and, and she's like, I'm just so like touched that you're calling me. I said, okay, that's great, but I need some help. Like, I'm not just, this isn't just like a- I Get was, to the answers. Yeah, get to the answers because, um, because I thought that they're closer right. to that situation now than I was right. as a player. So right. there's so many ways to lead and follow, but we have to encourage it. And we don't have mm -hmm. to be like leading with iron fists. And right. one, one of the things, um, I'm probably not going to say it exactly, but uh, there's some research on um, uh, autonomy. Mm -hmm. I just gave a talk on this not long ago. Uh, well, autonomy, uh, coaches that give autonomy, and I'm not saying right. that. Exactly, but, and so people yeah. want to know that they have some say in what they're right. doing. So leading, following, you know, and so right. that's partly leading you as a coach following. They want to feel connected and they mm -hmm. want to know they're getting better. And those are the three things that people really want. And right. so they want to know that they have some autonomy. And so I, I didn't send out training plans to the national team. I met with players and we discussed their training plan mm -hmm. because yeah. I, I mean, like, what am I sending to my six five player that I'm sending to my five five player? Those are not the right. same training plans. You know, I'm not sending to my thirty two year old the same thing I'm sending to my nineteen year old. There right. are different stages in their careers and their bodies, and so I think um, that's part of also following. I, I as a coach don't know it all, so I talk to a strength and conditioning coach. I talk to a sports psychologist. I talk to an exercise physiologist. Jason Brandenburg actually helped us um, from UFE. And uh, and that's me following. So right. I don't know, maybe we have to reframe what following means. Yeah. Maybe it's learning. Uh, that's up to mind for me is that to kind of let go of that negative connotation. Even for me as like a competitive, like ultra competitive, whatever, alpha, whatever you want to call it, we have all these terms, right? 
I hear follow. And even though we're in this conversation and, and I know what I really feel and what I really think, but that automatic response is like, hold up. Like, I want to follow now. It's kind of like this negative thing, but to let go of that. And like you said, so, so beautifully, it's, it's exactly that. Cause then you're able to learn, then you're able to grow. I think the power, like when you gave that example about the training regimes, uh, the training programs, um, being able to listen, being able to make it specific to that, to that player, yeah. um, the autonomy, the, the whole feeling of, of being a part and not just having stuff kind of dumped on us. And now I got to go right. through the motions and maybe it's not even what I'm about. It's not even right. what yeah. I want to do. Like what about yeah. what I want to yeah. do? Um, yeah. I'm really yeah. learning yeah. it just on a personal level. Like I'm really learning it. I've worked with kids and I worked with schools, but now with clients and, and being like performance oriented and success oriented, just the power of like, what do you think? Like, how does it feel for you? Yeah. And, and and I think it's something, honestly, and it's, again, it's no criticism, like you said, it, it's just life. Um, yeah. I don't know how often I've, I was asked that, you know, like yeah. as a player, as an employee, as, yeah. as whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the power it has, like how empowering it is to people and players and, and coaches alike and kids and adults, you know, Absolutely. Humans, yeah. um, to just have our opinion heard. Kind yeah. of feel like we're we're part of of the solution. Of yeah, the and it does does make you feel worthy of mm-hmm. of communication with someone, and that builds great to go back to the very start connection. And um, it's, it's called autonomy supportive coaching. Sorry, autonomy supportive coaching. And yeah, and I think that I, I, one of my one of my best compliments I've ever gotten as a coach was a parent of a, of a high one of the high school kids that I've coached over the years um, came up to me and said, you know. Um, your, I won't say her name, but her favorite coach. And I said, oh, that's nice. And I'm thinking, oh, that's cute. And she says, yeah, and do you know why? I said, mm, I'm thinking, well, I'm a pretty good coach. I'm thinking that's why. <laughs> and she said, because she said you listen to her. You listen mm-hmm. to her. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. Because I will say those things. How does this feel? Do you want to keep doing some of this? Or, um, or I'll go into an individual workout with a kid sometimes and I'll say, Okay, I don't know where when you're what you're feeling today. So do you wanna, you know, do you wanna work on some of this or that? Or do you wanna go really hard? How right. you know, should I kind of push you? And just to see where they're at. And lots of times they'll say, I feel great, let's go for it. Like let's go really hard. And there's occasions where kids will and then and then they give you permission to coach them hard because right. you've asked. Now you um, can't complain either. No, and they don't. They don't complain. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I mean I remember sometimes going into even national team camp and you know, a couple of players from the leadership group would come up and say like we're exhausted Al like I think we need to go light today and I'd be okay Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that I don't need to not trust you I trust you and if you say and they I mean rarely did it happen but it did happen and um and so I think kind of what you said it it, it's hard for all of us who see ourselves as leaders and feel confident in what we know to be followers but also no one you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's, it's just as important, right? What we yeah. don't know is what yeah. we do know. It has yeah. such a power. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge. Like, that connection. And as well, I think, it, like you said, it comes back to the beginning of the conversation, like the trust. Because yeah. when you yeah. ask me and you give my opinion, like a liable spot in, in the process, that means you trust me. That means my opinion is just as valuable as yours. And, and you may have been in it 20, 30, 40 years, and I'm maybe a freshman. Yeah. But yeah. now I feel <clears throat> just a tiny bit different with yeah. myself. And now I can bring myself Absolutely. to fruition more so on the court because of that trust, because of that yeah. emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of what you said, it's a powerful feeling to right. feel like you're part of something and that you're not just a pawn in the game, yeah. right? That you're right. actually, I remember having a coach one time and, and this is just, again, personal coach saying to me one time, Oh, I really know how to push the kids buttons. 
and I, it just put the hair on the back of my neck up, and I was like, okay, I, I think I think I know what he was saying. But it's a startup, like. Yeah, to me, it's not about pushing, about, and I remember another one, oh, I really know how to handle the kids. I'm like, well, they're not cattle. Like, right. and, and it might have just been terms, but, yeah. it, it, but it twigged with me. You know, it kind of um, triggered me a little bit to think, we just what you said, it's, it's they're people first. Um, be where your feet are, you know, connect with them. Find out, you know, how are you doing today? Like, what's mm -hmm. wrong with that? Right. Um, I, I, uh, I used to, I actually, I got this from a coaching clinic. I don't even remember who said it. It might have been actually Mike Krzyzewski, uh, mm -hmm. formerly from Duke. And um, he said he used to write three or four players' names at the top of every practice plan, and he would connect with them. And I started to do it when I was up at SFU when I was first coaching. So I'd put, like, say you had 12, 13 players. You put three players up, and I'd just go and connect. How's your mom? How's your dad? How's your sister? How's school going? How are you feeling? You know, if I knew they were dating someone, I might ask about their social life, you know. But um, And then by the end of the week, I've connected with everybody probably twice. Right. And it's it's mindful. Like, I'm not just going, oh, yeah, oh, I talk to them. Oh, for sure, yeah. I communicate. And, and then you actually don't. Right. And uh, I thought that was a great thing for me to do. It's, it's like you said, it's mindful. It has a purpose. It's, mm -hmm. it's this deeper level of connection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, mindful to put it on the practice plan for me to go, okay, I have to do it. And right. then, and then we get a one-on-one -on -one little connection. And, you know, I mean, you can think of perhaps as probably you can remember as a player, you went through and where a coach hardly said a word to you. And you're like, what? Right. like what? what's going on? Like, sure, yeah. You can just check in with me, please. Yeah. Right. So, but I think there's a whole new way of coaching. I don't think that'll fly much anymore with people. Yeah. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? just on like a side note? So this isn't written mm -hmm. down or anything, but um, yeah. Do you feel it that there's kind of like there's been this change of of people of being more people oriented and, and connection oriented and having more mm -hmm. empathy and and it's like you said, it creates results, right? Yeah, yeah. I think for sure you can see it, and and I feel good because I it was kind of always the way I've coached, and I think mm -hmm. like early in my career I was criticized pretty not all the time, but you know by quite a few people because. You know, you're too close to the players and you know you're too player oriented and you're this and you're that or whatever um there's always going to be Christmas I also have lots of supporters so I'm not complaining but uh, yeah, yeah I, I like the shift because I believe firmly in that in having an autonomy supportive environment and having a, a cooperative and and um a collaborative environment uh, also competitive I think you can have all those yeah, yeah. so I, I love the switch and you know in, in terms of basketball I mean I think Greg Popovich was one of the first coaches to sort of break that barrier where you, you knew how hard he was on Tony Parker. Right. But then you'd also see him with his arm around and talking to him and he'd take the guys out for dinner and there's, you know, there's, there's separation, but there's connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. That. What's that? I said, I love the way it's going. I think we're going in the right direction for the most part. Yeah. That's good. That's really good to hear. Yeah. I was going to say about the Tony, the Tony Parker part, because he, he saw greatness in him. You know, it's, it's always said before. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple of last things we could talk for hours. I don't know when you have to go. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see when you, when you start. Yeah. Getting... <laughs> um, start mumbling. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, about handling conflict. How can mm -hmm. we get better at handling conflict? We kind of talked a little bit about it. Like, both in, in athletics and in sports and in life. Um, I'm not going to use profanity, but I would say in Hebrew, like, like crap is going to hit the fan. Like eventually it's going to happen. Like life yeah. is not going to go smooth 100% of the time. And 
And we're well off for it because if it was, we would never have growth. Only through conflict, through some sort of struggle, we can grow and and learn more about ourselves. Um, But how would you say, I guess both in an athletic setting, but in life in general, um, how can we handle conflict a little bit better? How can we see that it's something that's, that's, um, what's the word? Like it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll get to that. I think to to say for me, my opinion after all these years of coaching is that's what coaching is. It's right. conflict after conflict after conflict. And again, you can reframe that and say, you know, a confrontation. You could say it's, you know, I, but it's conflict. And I think, again, I don't see that word as negative. I know lots of people do. And certainly, you know, a, a conflict, a war, a conflict, that that's negative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm using it in terms of sport and right. So we could maybe reframe that or like get a new word for that in sport, but you're constantly dealing with, okay, so people, you know, no one's ever going to be completely happy with their playing time unless they're playing every minute of every game. That's just a reality. People are competitive. They want to play, Um, you know, even working with your coaches, like you want to give more um, responsibility to some of your assistant coaches. And sometimes that's hard. Like there's, they want more, you want, you don't want to give them as much, you know, it's like how you're working through that. Um, with parents, player to player conflicts. And so I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't let anything slide. Like I don't, um, occasionally I shouldn't say it. occasionally I'll give it the 24 hour rule where I have to, mm-hmm. to take a breather yeah. and then come back to it. Um, but generally I will a- approach something immediately and just talk directly. And that's just mm-hmm. worked, worked for me, but I am, I'm an empathetic person. I'm an understanding person. I am, um, I don't get too riled up in one-on-ones. I probably get more riled up in a game and like in a, like a team setting than I ever would in a one-on-one. So trying to stay calm and then trying to hear it from their side. Like, I think that's the thing I I've really worked to um, be good at conflict resolution as in listening to the other person and trying to see it from their side, which is very difficult for everybody. And I'm not like saying I'm great at it, but I try. Um, So I think it's important in sport and in life that we, go directly to the person if there's and you know this anything if it if it starts going around the team you're right. in trouble right, right, right you know and i've always thought it was an, an immaturity thing uh, in mature teams people go to people and they right. sort it out and if there has to be someone step in as a coach then it, it happens but it's i mean i never really had any problems at university level or at the national team level um as a coach because we dealt with it right away. We were honest and upfront and tried to resolve it. Mm-hmm. Which to is everybody. so, doesn't grow to become this, this monstrous thing that started exactly. off. And like you kind of kept it in hand. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing I've always said to people as a coach, I have to make decisions and that might not be the best thing for me, might not be the best thing for you, but they're going to be the best thing for the team. You can mm-hmm. guarantee it. So, right. uh, <laughs> but, uh, and that's a hard thing for coaches, right? Because lots of times, we have our own feeling about what we want, right. <laughs> but we have to make sure it's what's best for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, even, you know, sometimes with veteran athletes, they want something the way it was. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, we're, we're moving a little bit in a new direction. And so it's going to be more like this and you have to resolve that with them and how do they handle that? And yeah. You know, yeah. So I, I think it's direct, honest, authentic right. communication and stepping back and trying to hear from your athletes or your assistant coach's point of view right. or your partners in life or whatever. No, that's really cool. Yeah. Two, two really great things I, I, I take from that. That's kind of, I, I uh, what's it called? Kind of pinpoint on this is empathetic listening 
Yeah. I think that's so huge. Like, and it's not easy to do, like you said. No, but no. once you become aware of it, it just it resolves so many things that I call it meanings, like like certain significances that we give to things that weren't there. It's more of an, an interpretation, and mm-hmm. only when you really truly hear the other side, you can kind of break those things down. Yeah. And the whole concept of dealing with it head on, dealing with it directly, because if yeah. you start doing it indirectly, it's just gonna grow. Um, yeah, and it's and hurtful. Yeah. Right? I think it's it's hurtful when you're not honest and trust trust the other person to have an adult conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Like again, we're talking more you know older athletes probably, yeah. but but even with the when I coached the high school level, there were a couple things. Um, I pulled uh, one of my players, Faith Dutch. She plays at Florida now, University of Florida. And I pulled her aside during a game. It happened to be at the Fraser Valley Championship, and I took her around. Luckily, we were behind a door. I took her around the corner, and I said you are not helping the team one bit right now. Like you are like you've whatever. And she started to cry. And I said, I said, okay, have a little cry. And then your team needs you. You know, she came out and had an unbelievable second half, like the best I've ever seen her play. And, and uh, you, you kind of have to know when to do right. it. Right. That's the art of coaching. Like when right. can you actually get in someone? And I wasn't, she's six, four. So I wasn't exactly. In that place. <laughs> but, you know, but, I, but I was direct and she, yeah. you know, it, it hurt her for a minute and, but it wasn't personal. I didn't say right. it as a personal attack. And she started to cry and then she came out there and just gathered herself. And I think she grew right. from that situation. I couldn't sure. let, I couldn't let that slide right there. Cause it's a game. Right. And it, but you go, you kind of as a coach and I guess as a human being have to try to, have some emotional intelligence and some empathetic right. listening and know when's the right time. But mm-hmm. empathetic listening is hard. John. You're right. That's the hardest thing. Cause I mm-hmm. mean, I, I want to say what I want to say, right? <laughs> but I need yeah. to listen. Exactly. No, that's so cool. And, and it, it kind of gave me goosebumps too. Like as a player, I think, I don't know if you even noticed it, but, but more than anything, when she responded in that way, same way that autonomy has that effect, like you gave her, you gave her room for that. It wasn't yeah. like, you should respond a certain way. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but but maybe in, in male sports, there's, there's a little bit more of like the mm-hmm. way you should respond. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just so key to to give room to that. Like whatever yeah. response may arise, give room to that. Like yes. that's the response. Cool. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Do your thing, but know that on the other side of that, there's yeah. people that are relying on you. That are um, counting on you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then, and she spoke to me after. She's very mature. She's the one that when we'd go on a team dinner, would gather up the cell phones and put them in her bag so everybody talked. I'm like, that's oh, cool. That's an impressive high school kid. Um, right. But uh, yeah, and I remember after the game, she talked to me. She asked me to stay back, and I'm like, of course. Team goes off, and and I remember her saying to me, um, I appreciate that that you know you called me out on that. I just uh, you know. I just lost it for a minute. I'm like, yeah, we all lose it. And we all lose it. And and the same, I'm, I'm emotional. So I'm a crier. So I don't, I don't find that again, things that you handle and other coaches are like, Oh, she's crying. I'm like, ah, it's no big deal. But you know, um, when we qualified the Olympics, I didn't cry. I always laugh about that. And I'm like, it was just such a joyous moment. I actually didn't cry. Normally I'd be crying. Uh, but that's, I told you, I kind of stepped outside myself, so I'm not yeah. sure how, the, how that went. But um, yeah, I, I do think it's it's really important that we give people the space to be who they are and react how they react. If it's negative towards the team, then it has to be addressed. Right. But, but I also think, you know, we have to be compassionate and empathetic to people having feelings and emotions. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That's that empathy time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I know you mentioned it a couple of times and I think it's such a cool concept that again, it's kind of like a shame that we don't talk about it as often. And it's this concept of a growth mindset. Um, mm-hmm. 
and not just on the court, but in life. And, and I'd ask like, how can players get better at developing that growth mindset? I guess, first of all, being aware of it, of, of developing one, you know what I mean? And then kind of um, building on that and getting better at that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You have to be aware. That's number one, self-awareness. And we've talked a bit about that or around that. And we have talked uh, already about that. Um, I think having a growth mindset, one of the things that first comes to mind for me is not focusing on how you look and how people perceive you and how, uh, what trophy you're going to get. And because those things are outside of your control. Mm -hmm. And I think once we sort of find that level of control that we can control how hard we play, um, how uh, hard we work, how much we improve, you know, getting in the gym, how we interact with others, controlling the controllables, um, then I I think you will focus on getting better. And I just Mm -hmm. have found at the youth level, um, so I'll tell you a quick story. So I was obviously senior national team coach for 12 years and we had a, a meeting one time well many but this one specific meeting in Canada basketball I remember and um we had our uh leads so we had um Nita our national elite development academy was running at the times we had our leads from that we had assistant coaches we had everybody there all sitting around and you know we're going over depth charts and we're like all kinds of things for the program and we get to the de- depth charts of all the athletes, different ages, year they were born, you know, where we think we're coming in. And coaches are saying, coaches are saying, oh, she's so talented, or he's so talented. Oh my gosh, unbelievable talent. And I just couldn't hold my tongue. And I just stopped. I said, can I just say something? I said, yeah, this is not how we should be talking about these kids. This is not how we should be talking to these kids. I said, we should be talking about, we see some potential in you and you've got this to do and that to do and the work focus on having a growth mindset. But if we start start talking talent, 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 great, phenomenal. And so that's all they focus on. They focus on their talent. And did I perform to my talent? Did everybody see my talent? Instead of going out and going, I gave my best effort and I think I played well, but I've got this to work on. And so I think when we put too much emphasis on the talent, the look, the everybody looking at me, and I mean, social media can be a problem for that. Um, But I think as coaches and parents, we can definitely, um, you know, those those words that you're my favorite player, that might be all they need to hear, not you're the the greatest. And I mean, I know coaching high school kids, you know, we had kids that at times were upset they didn't win an all-star. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think you should have been one. If I thought that, I wouldn't tell them. Right. Or, you know, other people played better than you. Or, you know what, you've got work to do. Not like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, poor you. Should have been. That's the biggest thing. So I think it's emphasizing growth. <laughs> that's right. how we that's get a growth a- mindset. Sure. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a great point. Yeah. I know just recently in that same lecture, um, I kind of mentioned this point. I've had it through a bunch of the podcasts with, with different players that I've had there the the joy of of um interviewing on here and this is kind of point where we all have it we may have it at different stages but it's this point where we realize that talent can only take you so far for me like personally it happened pretty late it happened like second third year of college where i kind of realized like if i really want to make it if i really want to make something out of this like you're gonna have to work yeah. and and the the earlier you realize that the better you can get right the more of a leap you can kind of make because like you said that's what's in your control if you constantly 
you know, defining your success based on things that aren't in your control, like how's the crowd respond? How's the coach mm-hmm. responding to me? Am I getting calls? Am I getting minutes? It could be something so small or something so huge, right? But none of those things are in your control. The earlier you realize that, I call it knowing our strengths and being willing to work on our weaknesses. Because yeah. if you only do one, you're kind of missing the point. But if you're able to do both and have your strength be as a base, and your weaknesses be that growth mindset where you can look forward. Yeah. Um, it's a huge, it's a great combination. Yeah, it really that's, that's well said. Yeah, well said. Um, that's awesome. I'll get you out of here soon. I'm just enjoying this okay. too much. <laughs> Me too. But, <laughs> that's awesome. It's great to have you on. Um, the last one before we kind of get to the final two is, is about empowerment and um, how can coaches be better at empowering their players? We talked about autonomy. We talked yeah. about that. Um, and it comes back to that that point of of connectedness, right? Of of that energy and, and all that. It's not just results oriented. Yeah. Like I want to be in a way, both players too and coaches. Like I want to empower the people around me so that we're better as a group. Yes. Sometimes we forget that. Um, yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, I think you know a couple things. I think my my mom and dad. Um, kind of raised my sister and I, um, they were both working. They had small businesses and they both worked. So we owned a movie theater in Princeton, a small town. And um, so they both worked day jobs and then they worked at night there and then day jobs and kept, you know, so I got this incredible work ethic from my parents. I mean, it, you know, never would, I mean, I wouldn't have survived in that house if I didn't have a work ethic because they worked so hard. And so you, you kind of know that that's sort of expected a, a, a growth mindset out work to get better, work, work to achieve, you know, um, and, and I think I took that into coaching and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of players that maybe don't have that coming in mm-hmm. and you have to teach them that, right? right? And teach them that growth mindset. Um, oh, Sean, I got a little off that topic. Can you give me? No, no problem. Yeah. You took it more to growth mindset, but I guess it kind of, you can kind of come <laughs> back around just the concept of empowering um, yes, yes. how coaches That's- empower their players. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I think that, you know, kids are working to get better, but like you talked about, we have to sit down and empower them to get better. So Mm -hmm. the growth mindset and empowerment are kind of connected in that I want um, an athlete to own her workouts, not Mm -hmm. me saying, do this, report it to me. Yes, that's important at a certain age. I mean, you know, kids will do what you expect and what you expect. Um, But so, yeah, I I think uh, autonomy, giving them some autonomy over things that they're doing, that empowers them. Just what you said earlier, and you said, when someone asks you what you think, that gives you the power to feel. So I think we empower them by actually listening. I I think it'd be ludicrous for me to think as a national team coach that I would have not tapped into the brains of all my national team athletes who are playing all over the world who are, why wouldn't I ask them things? They know more than I do of certain situations. I know more than they do. So that's part of empowering, right? Saying what are your strengths and how can you bring them to the team? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think allowing them to have voices, like not cutting people off and saying you're not important. You don't. And I'm talking from, you know, the first player to the 12th player, they should all have a voice. They should all feel like they're part they have a role and they're part of the team and that's team sport, you know, that's might be different in tennis or swimming, but um, so I think all those things will empower your athletes. But I I think the biggest thing is the trust, the listening, the engaging, the um, collaborating, those things make people feel part of something that empowers. 
and, and through then, that they're able to, to express themselves and bring right. their version forth for the team's sake. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know, and it makes me think about um, how so many athletes in the WNBA have been empowered, and part of that is they've been very socially conscious. Mm -hmm. uh, the WNBA has that's sort of been their thing. They've really stepped up, and I think that also empowers people when you do something that's bigger than basketball, bigger than yourself, you know, that actually contributes to the real world. That helps. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Kind of remi remembering that that is just a game and, and it's <laughs> bigger than yourself. Yeah. Like we yeah. talked about earlier. For, For sure. sure. I agree. That's cool. <laughs> like this has been such a joy. Man. Like it's oh, been good. Very, um, well, we haven't, we haven't struggled for conversation. <laughs> oh, no. There's no there's no shortage for sure. We could go on for, for hours as well, I'm I sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last two that I always have to end up on is uh, the first one is um, – how do you define success? What, what in your eyes defines success? Yeah. Um, oh, I've never really defined it, to be honest. And I think mm -hmm. I'm going to sound funny, but it's not important to me to define it. Uh, mm -hmm. and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not a great question. It's a great question. Yeah, yeah. But it's just in my life, it's not important to define it. I'm pretty much um, do the best I can where I am with what I have. That's sort of who I am. And work hard. Uh, enjoy it, connect, get to know people. I mean, those are all things that mean success to me. And I think being happy, being healthy, which you can't always control um, right. your health, but, uh, but, and then, and then just having to me, deep, meaningful relationships and connections or, or, and whether it's, you know, someone that, you, you know, you talk to a couple of times at a gym and then you get to know later, like you can still have a meaningful conversation that's important in, in that moment, if you're present, if you're feet are where you are. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I'm really proud of lots of games that we've won and that's been fun. And I was in it to win it. I mean, I competitive too, but it's really the things that you look back on are really the relationships you built. And I know people will say, Oh no, it's true. Yeah. Once you've done it, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I love that actually, that it's almost like the lack of a definition allows it yeah, to kind of right. be this not greater than how you describe it, but it, it allows it to take no shape because yeah. now anything could be defined as success. From oh, I like that. To, yeah. 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 That's and that's cool. how I feel. So thank you for defining that because that's how I feel. I feel like it's not one or two things. It's not a sense because I'm not happy every single moment of every day. Right. No one is, you know, it, it's just what you said. It's organic. It's constantly changing and, you know, that's the way it is. So thanks. That's, really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Teamwork. <laughs> really cool yeah and i love that question because to each oh, your yeah. own right? everyone yeah, has yeah. a different outlook and that's what makes us so unique and, and this whole concept so cool that yeah, you get to yeah. see all these different viewpoints um, yeah, so that's really sure, cool sure. I, that's that's one i definitely haven't heard and, and it kind of opens my <laughs> eyes a little bit okay good um and the last question i always love to end up on is um if you can kind of go back and catch allison at the beginning it could be as a player it could be as a coach um and you can kind of pull her aside and kind of whisper something in the, in the ear that, that would really, you know, pay forward and help her out throughout the way, throughout the day, um, throughout the way, throughout the process. What would you tell her? Oh, really good one. Um, also not one I've had exactly like that. <clears throat> um, okay. It might be, it probably won't be that succinct, Sean, because, uh, but I, I would probably say something like, uh, you're going to be a bit emotional and uh, competitive at the start of your career, but you'll calm down and it'll get better. And I, because I always, I feel a little bit for my first athletes I coached up at SFU, though I'm very close to them. I was, I was, I was pretty wild at times and um, 
did some crazy things because I hadn't learned enough, but they were, they, they were with me and they, anyway, but I think, um, and then I would also say people are going to question the way you coach, but mm -hmm. coach the way you coach because you're, you're who you are. And I think I would tell yeah. every coach that. Um, so I think I would give myself that advice and say, uh, always stand on your, um, values and which i feel like i have um because no game is worth sacrificing a child no game is worth no win is worth sacrificing your values and just stay strong to your values and uh, enjoy the ride have fun you're gonna love it <laughs> that's really cool kind of be yourself and then let yeah. that shine through never forget that yeah 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 and it's uh, i don't think I, I don't think i'd ever have known that i would have um like I never set a goal to be a national team coach. So, you know, I, I don't think I ever would have known I would have had this career. Uh, so I'm grateful, but I also know I worked really hard to achieve it. So, right. yeah. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. This has been fun and, and tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Sean. No, thank you. That yeah, was really, yeah. it's, a, it's really been a pleasure. I'm really glad we, we got to do it and then yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll do more in the future. We'll yeah, see. And yeah. then we'll get my fun as well. I told you. <laughs> yeah, um, really. Um, you know, it's so funny because just as we talked, I just, I honestly had a vision back to when we talked at, at uh, the rec center after, cool. you know, I don't know if it was after or in between or on a break, yeah. but I just, you know, remembered it. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. I still got that shirt. I still talk to Marcial as well. Um, uh, the guy. We stay in touch. He came yeah, out here yeah. one time to visit oh and get together. So That's it's cool. So it's cool. all these connections. And, and yeah. like I said, this podcast, Beyond the Value that it holds for people, it's, it's a great, it's a really fun experience for me. Yeah, to, for to you. Get to yeah. yeah. And really same, fun. I learned a lot today just by you reframing some things that I said or by you saying it differently or by your question. I like I'm thinking I'm gonna go back and take some notes from this. So nice. awesome. some things, yeah, it's so so important. But I can tell we're kind of on the same page on a lot of things though. For sure, for sure. I'll send you the link. Yeah, I'll send you yeah. the audio and everything do, have it. and uh and yeah, I, I just really want to acknowledge you for, for who you are as a coach, as, as a player. I never knew about your, your past as a player, but that was really cool yeah. to you. And, and just as a person and, and everyone that's kind of got to meet you the same way that I met you, what, for like two, three hours that day, and then somehow it stuck with me. I'm sure so many people have that, that experience, and it's yeah. really cool. It's that's really cool, nice. and I really acknowledge you for that, that everything you've touched, you know, throughout yeah. your career and throughout your process, it's, it's really Thank cool. You. Thank you. Well, I think if you value other people, and you value other people's opinions and you want to learn and, and talk to others. And I think it's going to be fun. Like, and that, and that's how I, I think of our connection from before. Right. Like you're asking some questions. I'm learning some things. We're, you know, we're connecting and it's a good thing. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, we'll do it again. That's all for this episode of the school of performance. Thank you for joining us all the way to the end. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you took something away from this episode to your own lives, I urge you to share this episode with your followers or with anyone that this conversation can add value to. Thank you for joining us. Have an amazing day. And we'll see you on the next episode of The School of Performance.